0: So Acts chapter 17, here we go. After they passed through Amphipolis in Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for, this, for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men of the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly, When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too! And Jason has welcomed them. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The crowd and the city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Luke recording these words for us, that we may see and hear what you did in Thessalonica. And God, we just pray right now this morning that you would open up these words to us. Lord, that you would speak through me. God, that you would uh, edify our hearts. God, that you would stir within me right right now Luke, the words to use to explain and to show us the goodness of what happened in Thessalonica. We just pray for your spirit on us and on on our note-taking and on our understanding. God, that we would see your trajectory for us this year, that we would see the new opportunities, that we would see the new opportunities for relationship and engaging with you in your presence. And God, the the new opportunities to grow in our faith and to grow as a a closer-knit family of God here together. And we just pray for your blessing over us in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever? Uh, anyone here a, a not a green thumb? Not a green thumb. Like you look at a plant weird and it dies, right? <laughs> right? So other people, you know, maybe whatever you touch, like grows a million, you know, a bunch fold, you know, four fold, five fold. Got some great gardens. Others can't keep a succulent alive. right so we see these 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 elements a lot of times it's even it's the lack of ability to remember to water it or to to know how to make the soil healthy enough or to create the an, an environment for this plant to grow well to grow freely to grow in companion with other with other fruits and vegetables or plants and things like that so we, we, we know, understand the, the struggle of not being a green thumb. Uh, and so, But one of the things about Scripture, about our faith in God and our, our relationship with him, is that he desires fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. And fruitfulness, you know, even if you're not a green thumb, you can learn. That's one thing that you know Amberlyn has shown me is by her shirt. A wonderful shirt to wear this morning, by the way. <laughs> gardener is that you can always grow and learn and, and learn new tricks like planting tomatoes next to carrots. Because they you know tomatoes fix nitrogen and to, and you no know, the other way around. What is it? Nitrogen? What is it? Is it nitrogen? about different spaces, but like there's something where like the, the tomatoes release stuff into the soil and it helps the carrots and all sorts of different things. And so then she started to learn more about permaculture and how different things, you know, pollinator attractors and, and shade or uh, moisture retention or all these different things about the soil. And she's been growing over the last five, six years in her gardening experience and knowledge and ability. And we just <laughs> ate some of the corn last night <laughs> that, she, that she grew. And so there, there's opportunities in our faith and our lives that we don't necessarily have fruit in certain areas that we feel like we should have. We've been walking with Jesus for how long now? Like, and I'm still struggling in this area? Really? Well, maybe we should learn about more about our, our soil. Learn about the waterer and the, and the cultivator of our garden, of his garden. And God desires fruitfulness. But here's the thing. is we our, our, God's heart for us is to be fruitful. And the way that we as believers are fruitful, become fruitful, and produce the fruit of the Spirit, produce the fruit of lives that are joined with Him, is by being faithful to God. By being faithful to God and being faithful to one another. When we're faithful to the Lord, to His Word, to engaging with the church, with coming to, to loving one another and being faithful to the gathering of one another, not just on Sunday mornings, but to our act groups and to one-on-one discipleships, to engaging in our faith with, our, with our, ourselves, with, with the Lord and with the church, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where the fruit comes. That's where the fruit of godliness is grown. And so God's heart for us is to be fruitful by being faithful to God and to one another. Uh Uh-oh, this is not... Why aren't you going away? Oop! Did that slide go away? Oop! Apparently it did. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, we'll just clear that. Clear the background. So they had a... Let's talk about the, our passage here this morning. So their they're short uh, but sweet success in Thessaloniki. Uh, it can be pronounced Thessalonica, Thessaloniki. It's pronounced Thessaloniki today. So we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with that. <laughs> so they, they left Philippi. So as we, as we walk through our passage here this morning, we see that as we spent all of last month, all of December talking about Philippi, they're now finally leaving Philippi. Um, so they, they left Philippi after great suffering. They were severely beaten. They were imprisoned. But because God did a work overnight, literally, over the, in the middle of the night, while they were singing with joy, God transformed the life of, this, of their Philippian jailer and the life of his whole family and to joy and to celebration and brought peace between this jailer and his family. And they bandaged their wounds, and they baptized their whole family, and so, and they had fellowship. They shared a meal together, even though they shouldn't have because they were prisoners, you know. But so then they returned them to the prison, and then because of love for the church, they went and visited the church after they were released. Uh, and that's you can look more about into that sermon that I preached a couple weeks ago. But so we left Philippi. And they're battered and, and wounded. They're they may be limping. They could have been. they could have gotten horses. That's one commentary said that they might have gotten horses because they couldn't really walk very well, you know, because they're in pain, you know. Um, but they were also they were so they had suffered great suffering. But they were also bandaged and unli- un- uplifted after such a great success in Philippi as well. It was a very difficult time. It was also a very fruitful time. Many people came to faith in Jesus. Very many prominent people in the church came to faith. One specifically, Lydia, the seller of purple. And this is where, so in Philippi, so as you see, the the tense here, right here in verse 1, after they passed. So as we see before, Luke, the author of this book, had joined them. That's why it changed to the verbiage, we. And we did this, and we went there, and we did that. Then it changed now to they, so Luke is now left in Philippi, as as Paul and Silas and Timothy go on to the next the next city. And so, Thessaloniki, Thessaloniki is the capital of Macedonia. It's also the largest city and basically the capital of all of Greece at this point in history. It has a population of about two hundred thousand. Close to, the, close to the population of Antioch in Syria. And it also has a very large population of Jews. So much so that it, they had enough to have a synagogue. Unlike Philippi, they didn't get a chance to have a synagogue because they only had like, you know, a handful of, of Jews and they didn't really have a lot of opportunity for them. But, so now we have this large population of Jews enough for a synagogue. It's interesting, this is a free Greek city and not a Roman colony like Philippi was in many of our other states our other, other cities. So this is a free Greek city, but they are, of course, very much aligned to, uh, to Rome. And so much so that they also, they minted their own coins and had their own form of government. But they also had their vices because, of course, they worshiped other gods. And other gods have different ways of worshiping them. Now, this, one, this city right here actually is right across. You can look right across the bay and see Mount Olympus. Anyone does it ring a bell to anyone? Yeah. Olympus. Who lives there? God. Zeus. It's the throne of Zeus. The throne of the gods. It's the home of the gods. It's basically their heaven. It's where the gods live. They live up on that mountain. And they can see it. So this is a very prominent greek pantheon ancient pagan gods worshiping city that were very heavy into idolatry and fornication they were a way of life in thessaloniki so as it says verse two as usual you know paul went into the synagogue so paul typically went uh spent anywhere between in a typical city he would spend anywhere between three to six months in a town Planting the church, sharing the gospel, seeing people come to faith in Jesus, growing the church, discipling them, equipping them for the work of ministry, and then he would, you know, after a long and tearful goodbye, leave the church because he had established such a beautiful relationship with them. But as it says here, what does it say? Three Sabbath days. So that is so Sabbath days is you know once a week. So they went in, they spent. You know, day there, sharing the gospel, had some success. Stayed a week, shared another Sabbath day, had a little bit of success, and stayed another week, and then a third Sabbath day. So they were only there for two weeks before this time, but they had great success. They had such great success. What do you say? Some Jews, some God-fearers. These are Gentile uh, Jewish followers that had not gone all the way to become a proselyte with you know through, through circumcision and all that stuff. And then also what some leading women, or as other translations say, prominent women. So let's look at these, these leading women. So interestingly, the name of the city, Thessaloniki, is the daughter was was the daughter of Philip II. So the name of the city is named after a woman, and women in the Greek culture, you know, figured more uh, a lot higher in the society than in Roman cultures. They had a lot more prominent state, you know, status in their cultures, especially religiously. A lot of the, the religions, a lot of the pantheons and the temples had priestesses to the divine feminine in the Greek culture, specifically Artemis in Ephesus. And so women figured very prominently in all of society because of their stature in religious worship. So they were business leaders. They were you know, like Lydia, the seller of purple goods. They were community leaders and religious leaders. There also could have been even just simply the wives or daughters of prominent men, like the like these officials, the magistrates. And so they, they used their position and they were recognized along with their husband, not just as their husband being recognized and the woman was nowhere to be, be, be seen. Um, so these were like political leaders, municipal leaders, economic or religious leaders as well. So, but it's interesting to contrast this Victory here, the success here of winning over the leading women versus Antioch of Pisidia where it was the leading women of the city that got rallied against them and ran them out on the rail. So now they're being received and now the church has a favorable stance because of people of high position and influence. And then of course, what happens? The jealous Jews. The jealous Jews happen. But the jealous Jews uh, recruited, uh, as the NET says, worthless men. Worthless men. <laughs> the word also uses market loungers, not just you know been in the marketplace. Market loungers. So imagine these, you know, worthless market loungers, you know, with nothing better to do. They're like, hey, want to make a few bucks? Let's go. Uh, let's go start a riot. <laughs> okay. Like, okay, cool. Sounds fun. I need some food. These also could have been like the street gangs yeah. as well. You know, the mercenaries of the streets mm-hmm. to incite a riot, a.k.a. I'm sorry, it wasn't a riot. It was a mostly peaceful protest. <clears throat> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> so, but these jealous Jews basically hired the Thessalonian Antifa to come and uh, terrorize the church. So Jason's house, they go to Jason's house where, you know, where this new house church has been been meeting. And it's interesting. There's a note in the Passion translation where it talks about this Jason could have been this Jason of Tarsus, that actually was one of the seventy that was sent out during Jesus's ministry. So if it's true, if you have the commentary, sometimes commentaries can be good, sometimes not so much. Um, but you know, if it's true, I mean, that could even mean that there was already a few people who knew Jesus that were there, and so Jason Jason welcomed them into his home and said, "Hey, awesome! Let's do ministry." Epic, amazing, but also well, Jason of what Tarsus? He might have even known Paul from Tarsus because Tarsus was not a big town, so he may have already known Paul, and so he may have already had an inn, you know, a, a household that he knew loved Jesus to do ministry out of. So if it's true, cool. If not, eh, whatever, you know. But that's an, an interesting what if, you know. But so these officials. These, so they were, they brought, they were brought before, you know the, Jason and the brothers from this house church were brought before what's called the demos. The demos in a Hellenistic city is a convocation of citizens called together for the purpose of transacting business, aka a popular assembly, different than an ecclesia, which is an official gathering of official citizens for political and economic work. This is a little bit different uh, connotation. So this is more of a popular assembly. So they, they were brought then before the um, uh the political, public officials responsible for administrative matters within a city and members of the ruling council. So like this today would be kind of like your judges, your police, and your um, city council kind of all wrapped up in one in this one council of these like city elders, if you will. Um, who are always available every day in the forum. If you, if you ever needed them, you knew where to find them. They had their place, like their, like the office right here, like at City Hall. It's basically like their City Hall is the forum. Um, so some of the crowd had heard about this gospel and the effect that it was having around the world already. <laughs> it's kind of like, I was thinking like you know, Captain Jack. You know, oh, but, but you have heard of me. <laughs> oh, you have heard of us. You have heard of the gospel. Oh, good, or or not? Or not so not so good. <laughs> at least in this situation. But it's interesting to look at this at this passage to see what they're actually saying. What's that? These men have turned the world upside down. Have these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too? They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decree by saying that there is another king. Where have we heard that before? Hmm. Jerusalem, Pilate, ring a bell, the Jewish leaders who were accusing Jesus before Pilate and the Roman magistrates. These are the same accusations of the same jealous Jews in Jerusalem. Sedition. There's another king. Let's go follow this king instead of Caesar. So these jealous Jews here are following in the same footsteps as the jealous Jews in Jerusalem a lot of jays in a very real sense however think about this their accusations are true their accusations are true because Jesus is indeed king of kings and lord of lords he is above all kings he is greater than Caesar so yes there is another king Yes, there's a greater king, and they're preaching about him. It's not like a a national king, ruler guy of, of, of countries. He's ruler of the world. There is no greater king than our king, Jesus. Amen? So I want to end, wrap up with our, our time here with this concept of being faithful with time, to be fruitful in time. To so think about, there, there's now a church, an expression of the kingdom of heaven in Thessaloniki, consisting what? of some Jews, of some God-fearing Greeks, and prominent women of the city. Sometimes we can have a short time with people. Back in high school, there was a, a guy uh, who had been kind of coming and visiting the youth group with his girlfriend. His girlfriend was one of our youth group and and attended every week, and she was very faithful. And so she started dating this non-Christian, and of course, my dad had to had the conversation. You, you know, missionary missionary dating is not a good thing. <laughs> like, this is not something that we're so, supposed to be pursuing here. Uh, but she brought her boyfriend to church and then he agreed to come to the, the Harvest Crusade to go to, you know, if you heard of Greg Lowry, Greg Lowry and saw the Jesus Revolution. So Greg Lowry was the, kind of the main figure in that one, in that movie. So he ha- is now doing these crusades over the, across the world of thousands of people, specifically in Southern California. And this kid, this boy, I can't remember his name, but so he went to this crusade and he got saved. He went down and he gave his life to Jesus. He came back and got baptized in the church. My dad got to baptize him into the church and into the youth group. And we had him for a week. And he was so excited. He came to the youth group and he was on fire. Man, this kid was passionate. This It was like radical 360. Sorry, 180, not 360. That would just be going the same direction. Never mind. 180. <laughs> but we only had him for about a week. 'Cause him and his girlfriend were driving and he blew through a stop sign and got hit by a crane and was killed instantly. What? Sometimes we only have a little bit of time. Paul and Silas only had a little bit of time. They only had two weeks with these people. And they were pouring everything out that they that they had. You know, These the short-term mission trips and stuff that we go on—they can be successful, and they can be—they can yield fruit later if the people that we leave them with continue the work that we started. And in the short times, Paul had success to plant this church. You know, a young church that he will definitely be wanting to go back to, and to encourage and train and equip more and more. But this church, even though they only had it for there for two weeks, it will flourish. It will become one of the most healthy churches it recorded in the Bible. In fact, he will write his first letter to the Thessalonians, Thessalonian church, just six weeks after his 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 he's you know he leaves. And I want to read a little bit of the letter here this morning. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna re- cut, get back together, um, <clears throat> and we're gonna read we're gonna read the letter together. Um, all of it, <laughs> here in a, probably in a few weeks when we get to when he writes it in Athens, just six six weeks later after he leaves Thessalonia, uh, Thessaloniki. I'm sorry, but I want you to hear his heart about his time in Thessalonica. Listen to his words, how he, how he describes when he proclaimed the gospel and when they received it, and the love and the compassion that he has for them. He's writing this you with know, this fresh fresh on his mind. He says this. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love. And your endurance, oh, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how he lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord. When, in in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reputation we had from you how you turned to God from idols, from Mount Olympus, right? To serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impunity or or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you as believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, Since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets who persecuted us. They, however, displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit, and wrath has overtaken them at last. But, as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and to see you face to face. We wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of, the, of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I love Paul's heart as he writes Thessalonians. That was just that was just two chapters. But you can see his heart as he as he engaged with the, the church in Thessaloniki. And as he saw the results and the success of the gospel going out, that they turned from idols, that they turned from their sexual morality, that they turned from their old ways of life, their old ways of garbage, their old ways of following after the culture and what they said to be true. And they turned away from it and believed the living God. They abandoned their worship of, the, of Mount Olympus, of the, the pagan temples. They abandoned their their participation in the festivals and parades and they worshiped the living God because they heard it as truly the living word of God from Paul. And we saw, and we see in this passage, we see in our passage here this morning from from Acts, this faithfulness that Paul and Silas had to this church and the fruitfulness of their ministry because of it. My family and I have been here for about six years now. Coming up in March, um, right? It's gone by so fast—six <laughs> years. A little over, you know, four of those is Shifts Church now, and we are seeing the fruit of God working. I've just been looking back on our, on our years here and just and remembering and seeing what God has been doing over the years—the faithfulness to this church, the faithfulness to the church in the valley, like seeing how we and and the church around us have changed and what God is doing and what God has begun to do in our lives and in the body of Christ throughout this valley. Deep and meaningful relationships here. A love for one another and, and a love for our fellow brothers and sisters across this valley. I've seen just like this incredible healing and growth from old ways into new life, lives being changed, thoughts being being differed, people coming to faith in Jesus, salvations. I love filling up that tub. I absolutely love it. It's probably one of my favorite things at this church, if not the my the favorite thing, is when we get to baptize people. A love. I've seen a love for the Word of God, a love for His Scripture, a love for His Spirit, both words of God. The logos, the written Word, and the rhema, the spoken Word of God. I've seen just a desire and an embrace to walk in the Holy Spirit. Yes, it might be weird at times, but He is so good, and He is so faithful, and He has been stirring life in our midst. And one of the things I love most about and seeing how things have changed is that I, I love seeing this joy in the full and abundant grace and life that God has given us. Believing the full grace of the gospel of Jesus. Believing in our identity in Christ. That we are the holiness and righteousness of God. And seeing us live that out. And seeing lives that reflect that. And I also, like Paul, rejoice in what? Your work produced by faith. I rejoice in your labor motivated by love. And I absolutely rejoice in your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though we mess up, we keep going. We do something stupid, keep going. We falter, we make amends. I've loved seeing reconciliation happen in this church restoration of lives, restoration of relationships, transformation, change, shift, maturity. Did it happen immediately? No. It never does. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like, I make a decision, boom, I'm different. Well, now your trajectory is different. But I want to encourage you this morning, as Paul encouraged the Thessalonian church, Endure. Endure. As we've seen life become more and more difficult, our culture becoming much more and more hostile, in all senses, both sides politically, economically, wars everywhere, <laughs> not just in Israel or Ukraine, but everywhere. I mean, if you've heard about the other ones, like Georgia and, and Armenia and all sorts of other wars that are happening right now, Iran... <laughs> and the bombing of the funeral by ISIS. All sorts of different conflicts all over the world. Wars and rumors of wars. Huh, I've heard that somewhere. But, but who knows what 2024 is, gonna, is going to entail? There's a lot of people who have a lot of fear. A lot of people who are believing a lot of weird prophecies. A lot of people who are afraid. But I want to I remind us this morning. Who's king? Is, is Jesus still on his throne? Yes. Did he fall off? Never. Is his Holy Spirit still powerful? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is revelation still the end? Amen. Do we still look forward to the coming, final, and victorious coming of Jesus Christ? And do we believe in our place with him? Amen. Endure. Endure. Keep going. Keep pressing. And you can have joy even in the midst of everything hitting the fan doesn't matter what what, what happens it doesn't matter it literally doesn't matter all that matters is that we believe that god is faithful that he is coming back and that we will be with him in his kingdom and that our desire is to love one another in his name and to welcome other people into his church into his kingdom that is our desire be faithful to the lord remain dwell abide in christ through all the good times and the bad, through comfort and difficulty, through blessings and trials, endure. Decide today. Make the decision today. Who is going to be my Lord? And who is going to be my Savior? Because we can run to different lords sure. in power. What powers are we believing? What powers are we submitting to? But also, who are we running to for help? Who are, we, who are we running to for healing and deliverance, for peace? Who is our Lord and who is our Savior? Is it earthly influencers, magistrates, rulers? Are they. Who are we, who are we running to? Are we running to the Lord? And I would say, run to the Lord! <laughs> he is the best Lord. He is the best Savior. That's what baptism represents is us fleeing the world us saying no to listening to them or believing them and saying yes to god saying yes i will believe him i will believe what he says i will believe his word i will believe his spirit i'm going to walk by his spirit not this world not the print the print of the power of the air not the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience no no i can see the brokenness of their lives though they try to mask it on their Instagram. I know the only one that gives me true hope. Not culture, not politics, not government, not self, not works, not New Year's resolutions, not coaching, not influencers, not diets, or even fasts. (laughs) Nothing and no one but Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, be fruitful by being faithful to God and to one another. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. And Lord, as we come together, as we engage this teaching, as we see and hear Paul's heart, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Lord, of receiving the gospel, the implanted word into our lives, believing it, and enduring being faithful to produce fruit the fruit of faith god let that that word inspire our hearts this morning that we can also endure all things we can endure hardships we can keep going we can celebrate and have joy in every situation no matter the circumstance that, Lord, you are trustworthy. You are good. You are powerful. And, Lord, we can indeed bet our life on you. We can bet everything. We can bet the farm on you, Lord, trusting that we won't lose it because you are good. You are powerful. And you are true. Be with us this morning as we as we discuss these things. As we glorify, Lord, I pray that you would change our lives as we bet our lives on you. In Jesus' name, amen.